0: Are you ready?
1: Mm. Oh, I are got... you ready?
0: I don't know if I'm ready. I I don't know if I can talk about this
1: movie. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I gotta
0: go and do. Even, I'm doing breathing exercises.
1: Okay, you do that. Uh, I'm just, I'm just gonna just say the intro then.
0: Okay. Is there anything else that we forgot <laughs> to bring up for this? I because I, I, like I want to talk about. We have what? We have, we have Robin Hood. We have
1: we we have the disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya. What else do you... Uh, we have, uh, No,
0: like, before we start, what do you...
1: Oh, uh, 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 Star Trek Beyond.
0: Oh my gosh, and then it's... And... <sighs> Fuck! Welcome back to This Film Not Rated, a branch of the Music City Driving Podcast Network. I am Eric. I am Curtis. And we are here to talk about the movies that we watched this week with a twist. What is that twist, Curtis? On this show, there are winners and losers. The loser is
1: the person with the most points, and you can get a point in one of two ways. You can either claim an opinion as fact, like, Godzilla is the best monster. Or you can say something subjective and either take the point, like, I think Godzilla is the best monster. Or you can have 60 seconds to support the reason you formed your opinion using objective details and avoid the buzzer. Like, I think Godzilla is the best monster because he is used as a way to deal with the horrors of real life in a escapist way that you don't see in most other monster movies specifically people use him as a metaphor for uh for a nuclear destruction so so you can explore the horrors of nuclear war
0: so all right what movies did you watch this week curtis the question
1: this week i watched star trek beyond uh the disappearance of haruhi Suzumiya, kong skull island and uh the one that we both watched together Do you want to say the one we both watched together? Or should I say it?
0: I don't want that.
1: (laughs) So the one we both watched together was Godzilla vs. Kong 2021.
0: And this week I watched The Adventures of Robin Hood, the 1930s Errol Flynn adaptation of the book. Mm -hmm. I watched Kong Skull Island, Godzilla Mm -hmm. King of the Monsters, Mm -hmm. and Godzilla vs. Kong. (laughs) Why are you laughing? I don't know why. Stop laughing. Let's, let's start with you. Okay. I'm going to need... I, I'm going to need... You're going to need some time? I, 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 I you got to go first, because I, I'm just going to say that like, and you, you should cut all this out. But... <laughs> I really really need like space in order <laughs> to not just blow it and get like a million points talking about <laughs> some of mine so why don't you do like the disappear I think, like, you know, like you do yours and then I'll- yeah, yeah and we'll yeah. build up to the ones that you okay. know
1: so we'll start with the one that i've that i've seen a couple of times and you haven't seen uh which is the disappearance of Haruhisu, Suzumiya. this is so the first thing that i would like to talk about is that this is going in this is a movie based off of an anime series so so the first hurdle this movie has to, to uh, overcome is if you're going into this movie without any knowledge of the either the anime or the manga or the light novel that the whole thing is based off of you're going to be lost in some points because there are moments throughout the movie that that uh, there are key events cited throughout the movie that unless you know what's going on you're going to be confused so without that knowledge, you're—it's it, very possible you're, you're going to get lost very quick. I so I hadn't seen, seen this movie in a long time, and well before I started being as critical and as like actively watching movies as as I have been, there were a lot of things that I noticed going into this movie that I didn't notice before. There's this one scene in particular when he's first transported into this new world, and he's learning how things are different. A person's gone, and a new person has taken you the.
0: Just swallow your tongue.
1: I may have.
0: It <laughs> <laughs> <That laughs> you know sounded what? so thick. Okay, I'm sorry. So, Go ahead.
1: So this is a key thing: is a, in the show, a character that is now gone has re- has reappeared, and this character has tried to kill the main character before. There's no memory from this person ab- about this event, but th- the main character is is obviously disoriented by this. And the way that the move that 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 the movie chooses to show this is that it messes with the color code, so it's warping colors when he lays eyes on this person for the first time in this new world. And directly after that, to further emphasize strange things going on, you get a, a couple quick shots of Dutch angle going on to further reinforce that something strange has occurred and it, it it's affecting him emotionally and physically. He's like, there, there's a, there's a moment where he's, he's so like numb to what's going on. He can't walk. He has to hit his knee to just get moving.
0: Art. Dutch Angle's a stylistic choice for this movie, or is it to communicate something visually?
1: It was specifically meant to convey a specific emotion that the character was feeling, and this is, the reason why this is, is because it's it's used very limitedly. I think the only time I, I remember seeing it is at the beginning, when all the weirdness is starting to unfold, and the main character is becoming aware of it, finally, for the first time. And then there are tracking shots that are... Animated tracking shots. Animated tracking shots that are done throughout the th- th- throughout the film, and the, what's impressive what's impressive about it is that the tracking shots are done in a way that, as the camera moves, the character changes form, as if it's actually moving in reality. And I don't see that a lot in animated film.
0: And that's what about it?
1: Did I just say it was interesting? You said it
0: was impressive. Well, <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. But yeah, and it doesn't matter if I agree or not. No, the, the the one that sticks
1: out is is a tracking shot from a high angle going down to a low angle, like almost like a eye level. And so there's this uh, constant feeling of uh, movement throughout the entire movie, which is reinforced throughout the actual plot because the whole plot is he has to find these specific keys in order to activate a program to get to help him get to help get him back to his. Original world, so there's always something going on. He's always trying to figure something out, and so the constant movement helps reinforce the pushing forward of the plot. Mm. No, the other neat thing is uh, the
0: other what there... thing? The other
1: what thing? Neat thing oh, about the movie? Snap. That's there are one movie. <laughs> there are certain uh, shots and uh, images that are very Lynchian. One thing I have to say briefly is that uh, the movie goes out of its way to explain the symbolism between what the Lynchian uh, shots are meant to convey. But nonetheless, the shots look uh, Lynchian because they uh, go into this whole, like, mind field where the protagonist is having a literal conversation with himself. The main character is presented with a choice to either go back to the world that he came from or stay in this new... created world and these choices are symbolized by the first clue he finds in the form of a bookmark or a club application paper that he was given by one of the characters in this newly created world obviously the application would uh, represent staying in this new world and the bookmark represents going back to the old world and going back to the way that things were Mm. Uh, i'm I'm wondering if if david lynch was an inspiration to this movie in, in any way but uh that's about all i have to say about this particular movie
0: I'm going to swing over to The Adventures of Robin Hood. Okay. Now, recently I watched Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the Kevin Costner adaptation from the 90s, and there were wide-angle lenses everywhere. Okay. And characters running quickly back and forth in order to capture a lot of action in one shot, but keep up the pace of more modern post-80s, 90s editing. Uh Mm-hmm. Uh, But so much With the wide angle lenses Particularly on the villains It made me want to watch The Adventures of Robin Hood With uh, Errol Flynn Um, It was a movie that I've watched A lot growing up I had the DVD Um, And What I was looking for Was why That adaptation Sticks out as iconic in comparison to the Prince of Thieves, where I think of the iconography that sticks out in Prince of Thieves. And I think of that one time he shoots a flaming arrow, Mm -hmm. uh, the look of Alan Rickman's character. Yeah. So, um, the thing that I was looking for is, you know, when you look at Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves Mm -hmm. versus the Disney animated, they are completely different stories. Yes. Uh, one thing they have in common is that Maid Marian knew him in the past. Uh-huh. And so they are reconnecting in this movie. But in the Disney one, they were already struck up a relationship at the start of the movie. The The Disney movie is as simple as... Robin Hood is an established character doing what he does. rob from the rich to give to the poor. Uh, so he's already met Little John. Little John is his partner. Uh, they're stealing from uh, Prince John... They're giving to the poor. The sheriff of Nottingham is harassing people, mm-hmm. and in order to get close to Maid Marian, and in order to, he he joins like this arrow co- like shooting competition, archery competition, mm-hmm. and uh, he gets found out. Uh, there's some time in jail, and they. There are other characters who help him get out. Like, you made Marion at one point spends time with them in the forest, and there's a little bit of merriment, and you can see the animation when you go online and compare it. It's some of the recycled animation that Disney uses across multiple movies um, when they're dancing. And it leads up to a climax where they're escaping, and that folds in on stealing from Prince John, and that folds in on something catching fire, and that folds in on them running away. And then it's over. Right, Prince of Thieves... Scrap all of that, the mm-hmm. archery competition, uh, Maid Marian does at one point meet them in the forest, but the characters have not rekindled their relationship yet, so it forms over the course of the movie. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I feel like is directly related between them is, and this seems to be a constant over the adaptations, is that King Richard returns as they're getting married, mm-hmm. and then they go off together. Okay. Um. In the... Adventures of Robin Hood, it's out the doorway. In the animated version, it's in a carriage. And they just kiss on the altar when Sean Connery shows up as King Richard in Prince of Thieves. But the entire thing, he gets back from the Crusades with his friend, Morgan Freeman. You spend a lot more time with Prince John and the witch, who turns out to be his mother. Okay. Then you go back and you see him meet little John with a scene that's in the Adventures of Robin Hood. Where they have to fight with uh, sticks on a river okay. in order to uh, earn the right to be in Sherwood Forest because Robin Hood comes from privilege. Okay. Um, and that's why he got the notice to be sent off like it's a draft to go fight in the Crusades by the king. And when he comes back, his family home is in ruins. And this is because of the state of things run under Prince John and the Sheriff of Nottingham. And so they face the villains... And they're continuing to rob from the rich until Prince John is able to get in his hands on a, a group of them. Uh-huh. And the climax of this movie starts when they show up to try to save them from being hanged. This is Prince of Thieves. Okay. Okay, and then that leads to a confrontation between Prince John and Robin Hood one-on-one. A sword fight in which Prince John dies. Uh-huh. Uh, by the way, I should say at this point before we get much farther along, remember that this film not rated is a going to be a dedicated spoiler-heavy podcast because we really want to break down what having seen it can kind of mean to us like why we want to watch things but we are going to be spoiler heavy so that's a this is the notice that i'm going to give and i'm going to keep trying to give okay um and so but those are the pieces you have yeah the adventures of robin hood is or robin hood prince of thieves is he gets back to the Crusades, he's angry, retaliation, him and Prince John fight Prince John, meet up with Maid Marian. Okay. So the Disney animated one is all, want a romance with Maid Marian, not as much conflict, stealing from the rich, the end.
1: Right, is m- more of Robin Hood being like a clever trickster.
0: And so The Adventures of Robin Hood feels like an even mesh of both with strong enough iconography that I feel like the disguise that Robin Hood wears in the Disney animated one is based on the disguise that he wears to join the archery competition in this because oh, it's an archery competition. Yeah. And so the green tights, the hats, mm-hmm. the designs of the clothing, the the square uh rectangular chopped bottoms of sleeves and clothing and things like that that just like So much of the iconography is there. And then the other thing The Adventures of Robin Hood has is the same sort of sequencing of a locked down camera with a lot of running and jumping and stunt work in order to get across, you know, the action elements of it. There is a shot where a stuntman rides through a gate, Mm -hmm. off the back of a horse, I'm pretty sure, grabs a rope, cuts the rope himself... Mm -hmm. The rope pulls him off of the horse as the gate falls. He rides it to like a second story of a building Uh to climb on top of a wall. Okay. In one continual shot, a stunt person does this. Wow. And this is the 30s. So if we're talking about safety wires, I didn't see one. They, They go so far with the stunt work in The Adventures of Robin Hood that I honestly didn't notice much of a difference between 90s and the 30s in terms of how much the pacing kept up and how much the intensity of the action kept up. And so the most... Iconic. The one with the strongest iconography seems to me to be The Adventures of Robin Hood. With Errol Flynn's performance, to the mm. look of the characters, to the colors. And now this is like early when color is is, is only like 10 years into it's, movies. It's fairly new. It's post-Wizard of Oz. Mm. But, you know, it's, it's interesting looking at the comparison of what we would equate to blockbuster excitement. This big swashbuckling adventures from back then is our, you know, Robin Hood of... Post-Star Wars blockbusters. And it's interesting that that story, the only things that you're really missing is traveling from the Crusades. Robin Hood comes in as a character and stays that character the whole movie. But he does meet Maid Marian and fall in love over the course of the movie. Uh-huh. And everything happens sort of sequentially. Like, you know, in, They use a lot of montages in order to progress the story over gaps of time. Uh-huh. And so, the just in the end, I'm always going to want to watch The Adventures of Robin Hood again. Just because for some reason it has something I don't get from any other adaptation. It has more pieces in it than are in any one other one for me. I don't know. <laughs>
1: So, the other movie that I watched this week was, uh, Star Trek Beyond. Now, lately I've been watching a lot of Star Trek, which got me in the mood to start watching the Star Trek movies that came out starting with 2009. I think
0: they call it the Kelvin Universe now. You can buy a box
1: set. They do call it the Kelvin Universe. so, So I started watching that, and the first thing that I noticed, automatically Kirk is kind of the same, but a little different. And Spock is kind of the same, but a little different, like... What it's it's kind of like what Red Letter Media said with the characters is, is, is they took a a uh, characteristic of each of the characters and electrified it. So like Kirk is now an uh, action oriented, hyper horny character out to do something. Uh, Spock is like highly logical and he doesn't show a whole lot of emotion in the original show. It's implied that he's able to feel emotion because he is part part human, but it never gets in the way of, uh. His uh, Vulcan uh, heritage, whereas okay. in this new one, at least in the first movie, Spock is highly emotional at times, and he's trying to bury those down. But it's, it's played up. It's uh, more it's, in your it's face.
0: how they defeat the antagonist in the second one, is Spock has mm-hmm. an emotional right. episode.
1: Because with the first movie, it's, it's, it's about Kirk getting into the captain's chair. The second movie is about Kirk learning the responsibilities of, of what it means to be a captain. And now you have the third movie... Where Kirk is fi- finally captain, he's gone through all that, and now it's, it's the closest you get to a, to a, an, an original series Star Trek episode, where Kirk is a lot more calm and collected, Spock is back to being like almost straight logical, and then Bones is kind of the quippy, snippy doctor.
0: If I remember right, the third one is a lot less streamlined towards making Kirk the main character that everybody is a secondary character to. The third one felt a lot more like there were a few different plots cohabitating where you got to know some of the characters a little more than you had. Yes.
1: Scotty Bones and Spock all have like their own individual stories going on. Like right at the very beginning of like when the actual story starts when they get stranded on on, on the planet the first like uh Kirk and uh Chekov are on their own doing their own thing with this with with uh, a with the al- with the alien trader that's uh, with them. Uh Spock and uh, Bones are together, so then with, with everything that comes with that, and then Scotty is on his own who runs into Jayla? Yes, Jayla. So Scotty is on his own and runs into Jayla, who is also a tech nerd, so Scotty gets to play off of that finally.
0: It was interesting of all well, the people well. Never mind.
1: <laughs> so with the Spock and and, 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 and I was so and...
0: close to getting buzzed there, it's almost like I was on the edge of a hole that I could see down. <laughs> and I could see Another creature staring back at me, even if it was 18 miles away. Uh, are you
1: referencing no, something I'm, right there?
0: No, I, I, I had an out-of-body experience just now. I don't know what it was. <laughs> Go
1: on. Anyway, so you have this uh, new thing connecting with uh, Bones and Spock, where in the original series, Bones and Spock had their their uh, disagreements, but there, there was never animosity between them like you felt in the uh, new uh, movies. This feels like that relationship getting to that point where bones is uh, forced to have is forced to deal with spock and they have to like they have to learn to deal with each other in their own unique ways and it plays off kind of as you would expect i guess
0: it's- i'm going to speak a little bit subjectively but first thing i want to say is i'm very curious what how uh, the box office and uh, fan reactions would have been if this had been the second movie in the series. If you had jumped past uh, into darkness and had something that felt a little lower energy based on the editing pacing and uh, not having JJ Abrams camera work, which is so in motion and so hands on when it comes to the camera movement and all that, that Mm. I, I feel like it's such a shift in tone to this one that if it had been one f- feeling in the first film, like movie, and then it had been this other feeling, uh-huh. and then you had the door open for a potential third, where we got maybe a different, I don't know, flavor.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Um, how much life there would have been in that franchise? Because, if for people who don't know what's going on right now with the fourth installment of this, is basically all of the cast got famous, yeah, or at least Chris, Chris Pine, Pine, Chris Pine did took off. Zoe Saldana. Marvel Check franchise. Off. Everybody, what's going on with Star Trek Four? The character, the actors went and became famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, rest in peace, um, Anton Yelchin, who I'm fairly certain passed away in 2016. Yeah. And that was the subjective thing I had to say about this. This movie came out in 2016, and to me, defines 2016. So what I mean by that, within 60 seconds, is we lost, uh, we lost Leonard Nimoy, we lost Anton Yelchin, and. Uh, there's almost, like, quiet moments for each of these actors that were on screen for almost their last time. Yeah. And there was so much feeling of, like, quiet loss over that year for things that were going on in my life that it sort Mm -hmm. of reflected that. Right. And the, the way that life had been going a mile a minute, I mean, the other two movies came out while I was in college, and then... 2016 was like when I was done. It's it's a world away right now, but five years ago, Mm -hmm. it felt like every other week there was someone dying who had been had some sort of cultural legacy attached to them. Yeah, and that was also the year that someone with a cultural legacy became president. Yes, and so there was a lot of pop culture investment. And then you go into this movie that is sort of a celebration of a pop culture franchise. And it was so... It's like there was too much moving, so it slowed down for a minute.
1: The, the thing that I appreciate about uh, Star Trek Beyond is... is Throughout the majority of the movie, it's, it's Kirk and crew being stripped away of the Enterprise. They have nothing to go on to fight this new threat, but their wits and the tools they have. Even the final fight doesn't take place with uh, Kirk piloting the uh, Enterprise it, it takes place with him piloting an old ancient uh star cruiser that they found crashed on on the planet
0: that was a popular trend i think between t- like 2013 on yeah uh, iron man didn't really have his suits mm-hmm. uh, in 2012 batman wasn't batman for a lot of the dark knight rises the uh captain america mm-hmm. didn't have america <laughs> uh one year later in 2017 thor lost mjolnir uh, they did a lot of the characters being them stripping away their iconography?
1: Yes. Other than that like uh just like the the this it this this the sense of Star Trek returning to form in a sense is like kind of why I would go back and watch this movie because it's just a nice slow down action adventure movie without going too far in one. A wonder- slow
0: down action adventure movie? That's nice. Oh. Damn.
1: Either way, but that's that's why I would go back to it. Is Okay. It's kinda of like that old timey feel. Yes. Anyway.
0: I like that. I hmm. I, I I I I yeah, I like that. I'm not ready.
1: Not ready, ready for what?
0: We have three more movies to talk about. Yes, we do. Starting with I heard some spoilers for Godzilla vs. Kong mm-hmm. over the last two weeks when it first came out. Okay. And it made me want to watch the other installments in the franchise. Okay. The two spoilers that I heard, listeners, I hope you're ready, um, are that Mechagodzilla would feature in the movie mm-hmm. and that it would be sentient on its own, you know, And the other spoiler was that there was a jokingly loose adaptation of Journey to the Center of the Earth Mm -hmm. in the movie. Um, And this made me curious about what had gone on in the other movies. Okay. And I watched Kong Skull Island. (laughs) Uh, Skull Island was a piece of the 2005 Kong movie that I am always invested in. Not a lot of people talk about Skull Island, so a movie no. focusing on it drew my attention. Right. I still don't know much about Skull Island. Not really. There are inhabitants of Skull Island. That... They are protected by Kong from skull crawlers. Yes. The movie opens mm-hmm. with young John C. Riley. Yes. And a Japanese soldier. Yes. Falling onto the island mm-hmm. and meeting Kong. Uh, so this is the character that i think we know the most about John C riley yes to the best of my memory his name is John c riley so okay okay i can do this i can do this so so we're, we're we on... are introduced to john goodman yes we who are. needs to lead an exposition to skull island so we are introduced to
1: needs to lead an expedition and an, and and what's the other one Just an expedition. Yeah.
0: All he needs is proof that these monsters exist. Yeah. And so he needs Tom Hiddleston because he needs a guide. And he needs Brie Larson because he needs a photographer. Although he's taking pictures himself, but it seems that he needs someone to document what happens. Or she she intentionally joins when she hears that Samuel L. Jackson's company, who he needs for protection, joins Mm -hmm. them. So we meet him. And so we meet Toby Kebble. Yeah, that's the who is with Samuel L. Jackson. Yep, the boat takes off. Samuel L. Jackson says something akin to "Hold on to your butts." Almost that line exactly verbatim. This is a reference to Jurassic Park.
1: It's a clear reference to Jurassic Park,
0: where Samuel L. Jackson used this line in anticipation of uh, monster mayhem of some sort. Yep. And so we go to the island, where Kong attacks incoming uh helicopters that are dropping bombs and so the whole story in a nutshell which you will know if you've seen this kong is defending people from skull crawlers skull crawlers come from this place in the earth Mm -hmm. called the hidden the the hollow Hollow world earth is which is a theory that john goodman's character has some version of Mm -hmm. And there are emergence points. And Skull Island is an emergence point. And these mysterious places around the Earth are emergence points for creatures that live within the Earth. And so Kong is uh, the defense of uh, the emergence of these dangerous creatures that could potentially wreak havoc on people. Mm-hmm. And the whole story is Samuel Jackson is upset that Kong stopped them from waking up Skull Crawlers. He had soldiers die in Vietnam. More soldiers died here. He does not like that. He does not like Kong. Uh-huh. So they are trying to make their way to the top of the island to leave. John Goodman has everything he needs because he just wants proof that this place exists. Mm-hmm. And the whole story is just get to the north of the island and leave. Yeah. And except Samuel L. Jackson doesn't want to leave without killing Kong. And doesn't want to leave without every member of his party. So the only obstacle in the antagonist of the movie is Samuel L. Jackson. That's it. Among the monsters. The characters head a boat early on. Yep. That they successfully rode to the drop point, in -hmm. the end, uninhibited. Yep. So, the entire story hinges on that Samuel L. Jackson sees one monster kill members of his company and become fixated almost to the point of not being able to let it go. Yes. And when another monster kills another member of his company, Mm -hmm. that one does not break his fixation.
1: No. That is all I'll say about that. Like, I I think it's pretty clear that uh, John C Riley's character is is meant to be the heart of the movie I I've, 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 I've said this before but like he's the only person that we and instantly we, 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 we know that he's been trapped on on the island we know he's been here for for a while and it's it goes into like his family life and how he has a son that he's never met and now that he's met up with these people he finally has a chance to get home and See his son and be, and and get and he gets to maybe see his wife. We doesn't know if
0: we know the most about him. Yes, we know the stakes for him. Yep, we know what it would mean to him to get home. Yes, and then he is the one who delivers most of the humor. Yeah, amongst serious situations. Yeah, so he has the most emotional range of any story arc in the movie.
1: Other than that, like there's not. A whole lot that I can...
0: So many things. Yeah. Characters teleport in the movie. This is a fact. <laughs> I am not opinionating this, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and not just characters. Uh, when I, I'm, just, I'm just going to talk about the scene with Green Gas.
1: Okay. The only scene with Green Gas. They
0: arrive need. at the scene with Green Gas, and John Goodman is alive. Yes. And they see the bones of what seem to be dis- like ancestors of Kong. Kong's yeah. parents. There is Green Gas that the characters unleash with the intent of poisoning monsters
1: it wasn't with the intent uh the, it, it was toxic gas someone was knocked down and the bombs went off
0: okay uh, so it wasn't intentional unintentionally yeah they encounter the skull crawlers uh john goodman is eaten mhm okay so the camera is malfunctioning and continues to take photographs Yes. so it continues to flash images yes it does and out in the green among the green that they can't see the skull crawlers through through the belly of that skull crawler you are still <laughs> able to see the flashing camp of the camera.
1: Yeah, through through Which a... the
0: characters do not look at. No. In order to follow the noises that they're listening
1: to. Even though the flashes are clearly going off in front of their eyes.
0: No. They the don't follow it here. at all. You tell me, is it the gas? Is it the dirt? Is it the bones? What is flammable? Because yeah. a character lights a cigarette.
1: What's flammable is they there there's this offhand comment about a weird smell in the area. And so to to show that the smell is like maybe methane or something. They have someone light a
0: cigarette on the spot. One, which is one of the character actors. He's yes. been in so many movies. Right. L- grabs a cigarette, lights it.
1: Someone instantly complains and, and to him. And
0: instantly, just like, don't do that. Puts down the cigarette. Now, lighting the cigarette didn't light off a fire. Yep. Like, like, okay, but flicking the cigarette onto the ground behind him. Causes an explosion on the other side of the hill of dirt behind him. Yes. I'm not exaggerating this. This is factually the image that is in the movie.
1: Yeah, that's... Then,
0: later, Brie Larson, Tom Hiddleston, climbing a mountain to go see Kong at night. Tom Hiddleston is distanced to screen right of Brie Larson... The next shot is a close-up of Brie Larson grabbing the top of the hill to climb herself up, and the next shot is from behind the two of them, Tom Hiddleston on top of Brie Larson going off the top of that hill first in front of her. Brie Larson's character has to get to as high a peak as possible at the climax of the movie in order to shoot a flare for them to be picked up. Yep. She makes it to this peak, a jaggedy little pinpointed rock thing. Mm -hmm. She shoots the flare into the sky. Mm Mm-hmm. And then stands and watches as Kong hits the side of the mountain, which instantly knocks her off the side of the mountain into the water.
1: <laughs> which she wasn't on previously, because she was, like, at the top of the mountain, Their supposedly. Top,
0: in order to shoot as high as possible. She made it, her hands weren't occupied, she could fire the flare.
1: So either she teleported down, or she climbed down in a very fast manner, in like in a matter of seconds, essentially.
0: Far <laughs> enough down to, you know, fall in the water, and so... That is Kong Skull Island.
1: That is Kong Skull Island. So the next movie that you watched this week, Eric, what was it again? Is it is it Godzilla King of the Monsters?
0: Is that the movie it was you watched? Godzilla King of the Monsters. Directed <laughs> by Michael Doherty. <laughs> I was very interested in one detail by the time I was done with Kong. The okay. Island. Watching through the last pieces of the credits in order to see the end credits scene, because I was interested in this as a series. Yep. Uh, they trade, they copyright. they they have a copyright place, not just on the movie, the images, the characters, and those things that you see, mm-hmm. but specifically on the screenplay and story was credited together. Okay. And so afterwards, mm-hmm. when I noticed that in Kong, Godzilla 2, and Godzilla vs. Kong, There's a character that puts their hand on on the nose or or a finger of the creature. Like, and has the same shot multiple times. And then there are characters that have the same arc Mm -hmm. and the same personality. And there are story elements that are the same across every movie. Yep. I, it made me so curious about whether or not this is something that they have a template for a story that they took different passes at dialogue over it. Okay. And when I talk about screenplay, talk about the interaction of the character... When the character played by Vera Farmiga, mm-hmm. the mother, has almost the exact same background and story as Samuel L. Jackson's character, mm-hmm. they lost their son, he lost some members of his company, so she believes that Godzilla in particular needs to be overtaken by someone where he believed that Kong in particular needs to be overtaken by someone, no matter the cost of the rest of the world.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I was like, okay, so you've copywritten this and you're playing with this and the, the, they're recycling parts. Yeah. Is what it it seemed to be. Um, so, this story could have been as simple as Ghidorah. Uh-huh. The alien... Yep. ...falls from the sky. Mm-hmm. is a storm, moves around the Earth, wakes up a bunch of monsters. Characters who have been studying Godzilla since he came out, they know that he's alive. Uh-huh. They've been developing this signal to try to communicate with him. Yes. And it seems to draw all these monsters to one place. So, they use it to attract Godzilla mm-hmm. because... The fact that it can control them makes them think that it's some sort of alpha creature. Yeah. Godzilla is another alpha creature. That's your movie. That is not. What the story is is see how quickly I knew this. <sighs>
2: And they crash down on the planet Earth. But then, when he was back into the planet Earth, because for whatever reason during this age where all the monsters went dormant and went underneath the Earth, he became frozen in, in Antarctica. And they're trying to do that. And there's a couple of different sites so they have Mothra, and they have uh, him in Antarctica, they have Rodan, they have a bunch of sites all over the world. These different agencies do. Particularly the agency that was being formed in Kong Island. So, anyways, they go and when they going to be Mothra, one character wakes up, and then the bad guys come in, and it's Tyrannosaurus, and Tyrannosaurus comes in, and he tries to destroy it. So Mothra takes off, and then Yedor um, down at the bottom, and he starts to wake up too. And they go to do this thing, and they're really worried because Yedor is different from all the other monsters. So we got this storm going they're like, oh my gosh, well he was an alien, but he also is messing with the natural balance of things. And he seems to be an the other characters the majesty of them. And all the rest of them are like, oh, I don't know. Uh, and uh, then the military is like, oh, well, why don't we just blow people up? And they like, I can't blow them up. We can't blow them. You know, do their thing. And it's like, okay. So uh, Godzilla fights Ghidorah. Uh, Ghidorah, the uh, Rodan appears. He goes and do that. Godzilla goes to fight Rodan. They drop an oxygen bomb to try to shut both of them down. Um, and they're all making all these different decisions. And then ultimately, the thing keeps going around, and making people up. And so they're all confused about it. And then it turns out that the Verfamiga, the one who was able to talk to the creatures, is actually using it to try to wake them up and try to communicate with them and try to create a world where the monsters are going to take over because monsters used to rule the earth. And then when they went dormant, even though it was an alien that was helping them rule the earth and there was a problem beforehand, uh, they went all dormant and then needed to wake up. the mom that lost her son back when but they were the people who were going to try to be able to communicate with the monsters, and they could do all this kind of stuff. that's is split up, and the dads are here, and the dads are here with the mom, and the mom and the daughter decide that they're going to help the cause of a guy who wants the monsters to take over the world again. So the monsters take over the world again, so people want to destroy because they're trying to do what Thanos did. Because human beings are being irresponsible with resources, and they're destroying the earth. and The monsters can help the earth go back, and they're actually proving right in the end because one of the monsters is able to regrow the Amazon rainforest. So it's kind of like validating the character. But anyway, that's after the point. Um, the Characters want all this destruction to happen on Earth, so the humans go back to basically the age four when the monsters do, and then there's only a small group of humans left who are all underneath the monsters and they keep everything in check of nature, and humans are able to grow in prosperity over in the future. That's all the there. So all the monsters wake up, all the monsters start to fight each other, Godzilla goes to fight door, Ghidorah, Ghidorah fights Godzilla, they go back and forth, and the characters started with their bomb in order to wake up because he's been severely injured, and then he wakes back up, and he's really, really supercharged, and he goes back to go fight them, but he still looks like he's about to lose, and Mothra comes in, and she uh, turns out to be the queen of everybody, and she saves everyone, and then happens to be a thing, and then Mothra uh, decides to sacrifice herself because she becomes dust in order to wake Godzilla back up another time, and then he fights G- Ghidorah, and then, and then, Godzilla wins. <clears throat>
0: but, at the end credits, they've saved Ghidorah's head, and that's an important thing to remember. Um, mm. so, I don't, I, I'm, I missed, oh, I'm gonna fall over. So, are you dizzy? little bit there was one sequence in this movie where they go to revive godzilla yes and the complications of the story are not present the characters are not talking uh-huh. and samia pointed out something that really captured my attention which is that in japanese culture uh-huh. um when a lot of them were afflicted by radiation. Mm-hmm. Which we talked about. Godzilla was, uh, you know, originally a metaphor for nuclear uh, war. And and you have a character in particular who decides... who you know, the, the Japanese character who decides... Played by Ken Watanabe. I should be the one to sacrifice myself to help wake up Godzilla with a nuclear bomb. Mm-hmm. What would happen apparently in history is in order to clean up nuclear waste... The human beings who were afflicted by nuclear waste... And had cancer and suffered from radiation damage. Uh, were the ones who, for the greater good of the country, because it's kind of how the culture and ethics work in Japan, uh, would clean up yeah. the nuclear waste. And so you had this one moment of reflection of the original purpose of the character Godzilla. Right. Where he goes and blows himself up and blows up Godzilla in order to wake him up. And then you play the original Godzilla theme Compounding on the point that you're touching back on the original themes of the story Right And then you had a character who all he has is the emotion from the beginning that he lost his son Tied with one scene of dialogue where Ken Watanabe points out to him That sometimes you have to face the creature that, you know, brings darkness into your life I don't remember how they say it At any rate When Godzilla emerges, it is in front of this figure. Mm -hmm. This character is standing on deck of a ship and watching this behemoth emerge. And the compositing of this, the green screen Mm -hmm. and all of it, I I believed what I was looking at. Yes. Um, I did not believe what I was looking at in Kong Skull Island and Brie Larson and Tom Hiddleston were standing on a cliff looking at Kong. But I believed this. And that's the, the VFX work. The sound design, the choice of score, the mixing, everything about that sequence would be the only reason I would want to watch this again. Michael Doherty. who... Did trick or treat worked on zombies, uh, werewolves. Yep. Uh, the character Sam from that is a, an original creature, mm-hmm. and a lot, of, a lot of, a lot of different monsters in the one movie. And then he did Krampus, mm-hmm. and uh, the creature effects in that, the designs, the monster work that he did with this movie, made me feel like his take on the monsters in the Godzilla universe mm-hmm. would be careful, detailed, um, and. That there would be a lot of character to the monsters rather than them just being large and fighting each other. And by and large, I think that he managed to do that. Yeah. Uh, Mothra feels different from Godzilla, feels different from Rodan, feels different from Ghidorah.
1: Right. And then, like, even with the Ghidorah itself... If, if you look at the heads and the way that they interact with each other, you see that the right head and the left head don't really like each other. So they're always sniffing at each other. So there's even infighting within Ghidorah itself.
0: Just, yeah, the, the little moment of the center head grabbing with its teeth, the, like, antler or whatever of the head on its left. Yeah. And just, like, saying, hey, pay attention over here. It's little things like that. Yeah. But I feel like that's a thing with this movie that, it is the lowest reviewed on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. Out of all in the franchise. But it is the one with the largest number of and the most screen time of monsters. Yeah. So I, I will say I, I'm watching watching these in the context of Godzilla vs. Kong coming out and, and the hype around it. Left me feeling a bit confused, but that's not really, you know, good or bad thing. And I I think it's it's pretty obvious what I'm doing, what, what I feel. So I'm going to give myself almost a ceremonial... Point is the what I wanted to see from Michael Doherty, I saw.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I just have to leave it at that. Okay. About you,
1: um, pretty much for the same reasons. Like, there's not a lot that I would go back to this uh, movie for, but it's it's that the one scene where Ken Watanabe is sacrificing himself, and it's it's it, it's for a it's 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 for a a greater cause. And on on top of that, it's not just it's it's not just that. It's it's the sense that Ken Watanabe's character gets a sense of completion to his character. Like, this has been his life's work, and he gets to end it by having a kind of an emotional connection with the creature that he's about to revive. And there's something fulfilling about that, I want to say. And then you top that off with introducing the original Godzilla score into an American Godzilla film for the first time ever. Mm. That's more of what I think the movie should have been.
0: I think it's more of what that movie should have been I'm taking that point That's going to be my point That way you don't have to rack one up And it's what I wanted to say anyway. So. Curtis I'm going to give you a multiple choice question That I need you to give me an answer to Go ahead Is the story of Godzilla vs. Kong A. That A company is trying To cause A fight between Kong and godzilla in order for godzilla to no longer be in charge mhm b for characters to find an energy source that could power mecha godzilla so that people can use them for their own means c story about kong attempting to interact with humans to return home and defend his right as an alpha male against godzilla D, a story about people living in a world where King of the Monsters has happened, so they're having to make peace with Titans. So some characters want to stop people from taking down Godzilla. E, all the above, which... It's it's, it's E, all the above, with the one exception of
1: choice A, where they're not trying to hit Godzilla to fight someone. It's an accident.
0: No, they are trying to fight Godzilla. No, 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 like
1: yeah, okay, yeah, they are they're they're trying they to fight want Godzilla him to die
0: so that they can
1: So this is the part of the movie that loses me. You would think that the way the movie plays out that the company is intentionally trying to agitate Godzilla to show him as like an enemy of humanity instead of its savior now.
0: But that's not it. It's they just int- want the Titans to no longer be the alphas.
1: Yeah, and they have, like, the way that Godzilla acts is an unintended consequence that happens to work in their favor.
0: It doesn't seem like they benefit much from the anything.
1: It's because of Godzilla acting the way he does is is why they were able to get that one I, guy to help them go down am, into the in, into Hollow Earth.
0: I'm worried that we missed something. Yeah. What I what I want to know about the movie is where we missed the transportation of the contents of the Apex facility. Mm-hmm. Apex. Apex. Was it called Apex? It was called Apex. Like Apex Predator?
1: Like Apex Predator. Oh I my un- gosh. It, uh, it was
0: called Apex. J- is just- so fucking stupid. <laughs> I
1: was just about to say.
0: We're so screwed. Oh we're yes. We're so screwed. We're never going to make it through this. Okay.
1: No, We're just going to take up all we the points here. We missed when
0: Apex moved their facility from Florida to Hong Kong. Characters went down to the 33rd floor from the same wreckage that happened in Florida and merged into... A room where they were face-to-face with Mecha Godzilla being piloted in another room by the skull, not brains, not anything organic, not anything active, but by the calcium and bone of Ghidorah, the head, that yep. had decayed. Uh, so, nothing to give it life or activity, and yet it has life or activity. I, I guess that's another fucking stupid thing. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um,
1: By the way, these points go for both of us because we both feel this way.
0: So, oh my gosh. No, we have to. The point is to be able to have people enjoy the thing. We have to try and do this. Okay. Okay. They emerged downstairs. They emerge downstairs. Now, Godzilla travels to Hong Kong. Yes. To meet that activity of Godzilla where it's at. So Mechagodzilla had to move from... Florida to Hong Kong. So at some point, everyone in that base level... And and remember, they got onto a train at one point that had eggs on it. You're right. Skullcrawler eggs. And that train took off.
1: That is true. So did did that train... Okay, I can buy the train taking them to Hong Kong at that point. I don't buy that train taking Godzilla to Hong Kong.
0: So somewhere... This 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 train managed to travel. They transported something across the globe, reignited activity in, in Hong Kong, and it drew Godzilla's attention. This this alpha signal mm-hmm. related to Ghidorah from the last movie. So they're making Godzilla angry, so he's becoming violent, and so they're retaliating. Mm-hmm. And that is what the characters want is basically to kill him with mechagodzilla yeah but, but it, it seems like they're making an excuse but they're not making an excuse to they just want to do it
1: yeah no like the, the like the whole point of of mechagodzilla in the movie is to have it, like this is that this movie is like almost a different version of justice league where apex is is lex corp and they're trying to get a silver bullet i was bullet. gonna
0: say batman v superman
1: i meant bat I, I meant batman v, v superman i'm sorry
0: it, there are a lot of parallels yeah Godzilla is Superman.
1: God, yes, He Kong. is
0: a figure who is new that the world is trying to accept that the news turns against him when he does something that has appeared negative. Yes. Batman is in Gotham and has been in Gotham a long time and is active in a way that he feels useful to the company that is trying to create a bullet right. that can kill Superman.
1: And Batman is obviously like the King Kong in this
0: reference. King Kong. So, they go for energy just like he goes for... Kryptonite. Now... And I, I will say, again, I, I understand if people enjoy this or didn't enjoy it. The Hidden World is is not just a, a few pockets on Earth the way that it sounded like they were describing it in Kongskull Island. It mm-hmm. is and this is confirmed by the fact that the characters travel from Antarctica to Hong Kong inside the hidden world, on the inside crust of the surface of the Earth. Yep. Okay? So the Hidden World is an entire layer on the inside of the world that is hollow. But, and then all along the rocks are colored lights. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. This director, Adam Wingard, is a huge fan of eighty synth music, which has not been stylistically in any of the preceding movies, but is here. Mm-hmm. And uh, neon coloring, the coloration and lighting. Yep. Which is all over Apex, which is even more over Hong Kong than is actually there in reality. Mm-hmm. And is in the colors of the lights that are ingrained in the Earth's core. Yep. So it's all over the style of this movie. As a choice that is familiar to this director. Yes. So the characters travel through a underworld neon exhibition and have to travel into a portal. Which causes the characters to undergo something that seems to be referencing 2001 A Space Odyssey. Where it's the reaction shot of a an astronaut or, or a, a traveler of some sort of you know space and time. Um changing to images of swirling uh, oncoming lights of different colors Uh and and shaking and, and seeming to undergo a sort of transition until they come out of another portal on the other side. I'm not sure if this portal was supposed to help them travel through Earth without being able to dig through Earth. But then Godzilla is able to just blast a hole and then the characters are able to travel without a portal to get back.
1: Yeah, and then, so there's this continuity issue. But correct me if I'm wrong, when when Kong is going to his throne in in the movie, there's a sequence where he sees a hand sticking out to him and he jumps up, reaches for it, and then he...
0: The gravity shifts.
1: Shifts, and he goes there. How can Godzilla burst a hole through the floor of where he is if he's on the other side of the thing now? That just doesn't make any sense to me. Oh my gosh.
0: Oh my gosh. When the characters burst through into the hidden world. They fall towards the Earth's core. Then Kong slows when they hit the halfway point in the air between the two surfaces. Reverses back towards the outer layer of the Earth. Then the ship follows suit. Yes. After which Kong jumps and reaches out to a mountain peak that seems close enough for him to touch. Mm Mm-hmm. Gravity reverses, and he lands on the surface of the Earth that is with the core. Yep. And he makes it to his throne. Yep. And then Godzilla blasts...
1: A hole through a the... hole... Through the bottom. Through
0: the bottom of that floor.
1: And we know it's through the bottom because Kong is looking Looks down.
0: down to jump through it to jump out of Hong Kong. Yep. So it's just a continuity issue. People might not, you know... That might not break a viewer's experience, but it's there. It is there. And, um... So, you know, there's some... There's a lot of confusion over the timeline of different events here. You know, characters on the inside of the Earth Core traveling from Antarctica to Hong Kong... Uh, seem to take you know like even though they're flying and the gorilla is running just like even though he's a building sized gorilla mm-hmm. that is related to characters that are on some sort of train track yeah. and potentially also a mechagodzilla traveling across the earth uh at whatever speed those mechanics can move in order to get to china i, I don't know what to comment to make about that all i know is Everyone who's listening to this is either shut it off already or is thinking one thing, which is the point is the monster fights. Godzilla versus Kong. uh, What felt like it would be stylistically unique would be the Kong climbing buildings and using the territory in a way that's different from the monsters that loom in 2014 Mm -hmm. and in uh, uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah. King Kong is a lot more mobile than Godzilla. When I expected Godzilla to fight King Kong, I expected them to either be fighting on the shore of Japan and causing some sort of wreckage, yes, or maybe King Kong uh, jumping around New York. From the trailer, you, you know that they fight on a boat. Yes. And then round two is a full hour and 20 minutes later um, in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And then Mechagodzilla is introduced much as uh, they resolve and find out that... Lex Luthor is Mechagodzilla, mm-hmm. and uh, Doomsday is, is built. Lex Luthor builds Doomsday. Doomsday is Mechagodzilla. Yes, and your equivalent of Batman v Superman resumes, and you have the characters team up, and so you you have a lot of similarities to Batman v Superman. Yeah. and in terms of action, mm-hmm. um, you, you you this one is two hours instead of two and a half hours to two to three hours for the Ultimate Edition of Batman v Superman. So. Do the monsters fight? Mm-hmm. Yes. The first fight, though, feels a lot like the fights that are in the other movies. Yeah. The second fight, I think, is what everyone wants, but that's, you know, my opinion. Oh my gosh, this is going to be a nightmare. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. And the third fight mm-hmm. seems to be one where the characters of the monsters are actually making choices and interacting with one another. Mm-hmm. Godzilla actually functions as an alpha, King Kong. Uh, interacts and, and makes a decision about who to help and who to fight. Mechagodzilla seems to be like a reawakened yodora in a way. Like um, And you, when you watch this, the movie is just around two hours long. Yes. There will be about 20 minutes of screen time dedicated to the monsters fighting one another. Mm-hmm. So that leaves you with just over an hour and a half of many, many characters trying to explore the reasons for the characters to fight one another. Yep. And introduce Mecha Godzilla in order to do exactly what they did in Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because they also do commit to a winner. Godzilla yeah. wins.
1: Godzilla does win this fight, yes. Yes. Batman v Superman, Batman won that fight.
0: And they make a point after Mechagodzilla is gone to reconfirm Godzilla won. Yeah. So why why this movie needed to include Mechagodzilla escapes me the same way that it escapes me why they needed to add Venom to Spider Man 3. Or why they
1: had to add Doomsday to Batman v. Superman.
0: So I I just I wanna I wanna talk productively about things, but the thing is people seem to really, 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 really like And enjoy this movie. They do. And a lot of the reasons why seems to be the monsters do what the monsters are going to do. Yeah. And so beyond this, I guess this is one of those that we just have to really not touch so much. Because it just isn't normally what we would watch. I want to talk about it because it's the movie of the moment. Mm -hmm. Everybody seems interested in it. But the fact that everyone seems interested in it after seeing what it is and seeing what it's grown out of... Yeah. The fact that these made so much money, that's why I'm interested in watching it. Yeah. Because sometimes when something doesn't resonate with you Mm -hmm. and so the world accepts it and so you feel different from them, Mm -hmm. that's worth exploring too. Yeah. Why you feel different and why people do that. So... Thank you all for listening. If you manage to make it through that, then you are something. You're great. (laughs) Um, And so if you like this, you can follow me at High Contrast FLM.
1: Uh, You can follow me at 90s Gamer
0: 407 and on Twitch at Merrick underscore And you can also listen to potentially more focused entertainment on the Music City Drive-In podcast network, Mm musiccitydrivein.com. And, uh, again, thank you all for listening and continuing to be here, and, uh, we will see you next week. We will see you next week. All right. Fuck Kong versus Skull Island!